welcome to episode 26 of the Southcast for this season. Myself, Glenn Price and Ollie Warner. Um, we were talking last week, Ollie. Uh, welcome back, by the way. Um, yeah, we were talking last week about coming back and looking at some positives uh, with a couple of games against teams below us. But not quite that positive conversation we might have hoped to have been having, I think, when you uh, balanced the week up so far. I think the only positive really, well, two positives I guess you can really take away is obviously a clean sheet and two points. Yep. Um, but as performances go, it was um, pretty dire. In terms of entertainment, it was pretty abysmal. Mm, it wasn't the best, was it, to be fair? And obviously, we've got two games to talk about this week. Yeah, away at Gillingham and away at Wimbledon. One uh, which I think most Shrewsbury Town fans enjoyed via the medium of iFollow for the first time in a while. Um, if you've been a regular away attender like I have recently. And yeah, then a big trip down to London where we um, took another amazing uh, amount of town fans to an away game. Which was, which is and always is great to see, isn't it? So um, it's fine. One question for you, Glenn. Why do you think the fan away support is so good at the moment? I think it's been a combination of... Uh, just kind of nice things coming in a row, isn't it? Liverpool kind of got the fan base engaged in it, big game like that. So that was obviously a big part of it. Crew, we always take a lot on the, the nearest game, don't we? Um, and London, you, you tend to get quite a lot going to London to the sort of London games from the London Shrews and the people that live down south. Um, and also the fact that that was a new stadium no one had been to before. So I think kind of combination of things really on all those games. We should remember, we went to Gillingham this week as well and, and took hardly any fans, but maybe that's to be expected on a Tuesday night. But um, it has been great to be part of these big crowds recently, Ollie. I have to say, I've really enjoyed some of these big away trips recently. And obviously there's been a few excellent moments, hasn't there, during it at times. So um, yeah, it is good to see us taking a lot of town fans. I think it's also everyone seems to be enjoying themselves as well. Obviously, not not necessarily so much the football, but everyone seems to be in good spirit. And you, even the I listen to um, often do on away games, listen to the away commentary. Okay, and um, they were talking about Shrewsbury Town fans quite a few times yeah. during the the commentary, which is quite rare. Oh, okay, well that's good. Yeah, I, and we were noisy. That's the other good thing about it, isn't? It, it, it is an interesting one. I mean, we're not going into the games yet. One of my observations, I suppose, from these away games recently is that, you know, particularly Crewe and, and Wimbledon, where, let's be honest about it, we played two quite poor teams and had two poor results, is that fans didn't really turn. I mean, there was a little bit of booing off at half-time versus Wimbledon, which was fair. But, you know, there's still a, a general raft of positivity. And I think that's being carried forward by, you know, the usual kind of lads. I think they're, they're mostly the Southside lads with a drum, aren't they, that kind of get the fans going. And they've developed a really good way, I think, of keeping town fans kind of noisy and engaged and maybe staving off some of that negativity that we've had at other times during maybe the Ricketts era. So, yeah, sort of little bits and bobs have changed, I think, from, from a few years ago. But, um, yeah, I think if you had a bad run, it still would probably get quite toxic. But we're just about kind of staving that off, I suppose, aren't we? Yeah, I agree with that. That's why I was just interested not to you've been to these games. It's hard mm. for me to comment. But, yeah, it definitely be, I've seen some good um, good banter between the fans. And I think, yeah, I, I totally agree with all those points. It all makes sense to me. And after this week, Ollie, um, and most of the rest of the season away from home, I'm sick of the pink and black kit now. Um, we're almost <laughs> certainly never going to win in that kit, are we? So just to be clear, like we've never won. No, we haven't. No, and we're not, I don't, there's not many away games left, is there? You know where we might end up wearing. There's probably a few where we'll get away with wearing our own kit. And um, I wonder. I wonder if it'll be one of those cursed kits that we got a whole season without winning in. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll find out as we go on, Ali. But um, I suppose yeah, let's start the week off really with uh, where we were a couple of days after last Saturday, and yeah, heading down south for the first time this week to see Shrewsbury Town at Gillingham. That wasn't quite the end of the entertainment. Shrewsbury thought they'd sneaked a late winner through Darren Kerry. The referee Brian Coddington ruled it out. And seconds later, having blown the final whistle, he had to take cover as a protester ran onto the pitch to remonstrate. Goalkeeper Benny Gould took care of him. Gillingham nil, Shrewsbury Town nil. Quite possibly one of the worst games I've seen. <laughs> for a very very long time Garbage. maybe going back to League 2 kind of football it was dire mm. um, in terms of entertainment quality 
everything was lacking. Uh, what was also was lacking was home fans. Um, attendance was only 3,200. Terrible. 140 heroes from uh, from the Salat Faithful Legends. making the trip. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Fair play to them. At least they weren't on in the away end. They seemed to, uh, the classic away end at Gillingham. They looked like they were in the stand. So that was at least a positive for them. They weren't going to freeze too much. Um, but yeah, very low attendance. There's a lot of trouble at Gillingham. Gillingham's also are a club in real trouble. Yeah. They have off the field issues, and their fans are really upset with their chairman. Obviously, um, they've uh, their manager left recently, um, and I hear they have one of the smallest budgets in the division. So it's no surprise that they find themselves at the bottom, and that's the context of playing this game. Obviously, we went through Christmas and December doing really well, and we were hoping, weren't we, last Sunday, Glinda? You know, these two games might give us something, and I thought we definitely would have got. A win on this one to be honest I thought we'd go to Gillingham and get a win me too um, but it wasn't to be no um, and the reason I say that as well is that you know we've got the third best defence in the league I don't really see them scoring against us mm. um, and Gilles haven't won since mid-October shocking that's bad <laughs> it's just sometimes you we get stuck we get stuck thinking about how bad we are forgetting how, how other teams are on even worse runs to be fair but it, it is interesting I've got, I got a stat just to look at why we you know probably struggled this week a little bit when, when it comes to the context of it but I think when we look back at kind of reflecting on this week and this game more generally, Ollie, and we'll run through it as, as we go now. But you know, let's look at the context. We went to Shoes, went to Gillingham on Tuesday night and could only scrap a nil-nil draw and potentially could have lost it late on. The following Saturday, what was the result for Gillingham? Did they lose six-one or six-two or seven-two? Seven, four penalties conceded. I and mean, conceded four penalties. Oof, yeah, gives you a bit of context as to quite how lame our our attempts to break down what is clearly an absolutely shocking defence were on on Tuesday night. So um, there was a little bit more context, I think, for this result for me and. and how I'd consider it. It just shows you how poor they are. They're awful. Yeah, Oxford are a decent side, but you know, they're not um, they're not Rotherham, they're not Sunderland, no. they're you know, in terms of like money and, and things like that. They're, they're a well run club, you know, this I'm sure they've got a decent wage bill. Um, but they're you know, where are they in, in the table yeah. on yeah, they're sixth they were potentially just outside the playoffs before before Saturday, they're sixth um, in the table. So they're doing well, um, but let's not be on yeah, let's be honest. You know, they're not uh, they're not like Wigan or, or Rotherham no. in terms of um, you know romping away. Yeah, we barely created a chance in this game as we'll go through it. But um, yeah, shocking really. I mean, one of the reasons why we look at these games, particularly against these teams in the bottom four, really is it's definitely been a weak point so far this season. I mean, you know, we, we had that bad run at the start of the season, but we've currently taken six points from only eighteen when playing teams that were in the bottom four um, at the start of kickoff. And you know, really, that's that's a lot of points dropped for teams where if you're meaning to to get out of the relegation trouble, that's where. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the problems are coming from for us, I think, really, because even even twelve points from yeah. eighteen would be satisfactory and have us way up the table. It's funny actually. I was thinking of doing something, and if I haven't got a newborn baby, I probably <laughs> would have done it. Um, I was thinking of putting, you know, almost doing a table of our points, like almost like a league table, and then put our results against you. Know, for obviously, like let's take Sheffield Wednesday, also mm. we've got four points against them. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see, wouldn't it, where we're getting our points from and. Um, it feels like, and we're obviously having, not having the data. It feels like we we don't do well against um, the teams at the bottom. No, we definitely don't. We definitely haven't this season. I looked at it, say looking at those ones at the bottom four. So that is not good enough. Something that definitely needs to be uh, sorted out as the season goes on. Um, in terms of team selection, Ollie, it was exactly the same as as the last few weeks. This was number yeah. seven in a row, wasn't it? In terms of the same yeah, team. Yeah, it was. So Morosi, Pennington, Ebanks, Nurse. 
Bennett, Vela, Davis, Leahy, Ogbetta, Ado, and Bowman continued up front. Um, the two new lone lads stayed on the bench, um, but they did come on later on, didn't they? So, yeah, nothing really exciting to talk about there. It was, I, I think we made. It was a surprise, yeah, though. I was about to say exactly that. It was, it was maybe one where we expected there to be a change after what happened on Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah, it just lack of rotation. You know, you look at the squad; it's tiny. We've got, I think, I calculated, including Kudin Burgoyne, seventeen first team players that you know will potentially start a game. Mm. Discounting Cosgrove and Pike because um, they didn't really start games, <laughs> and yeah, it's a you know it's, it's a terribly small squad. That, and obviously in that seventeen, you got two lone players that had never started for Simon, so really you got fifteen players yep. to pick from. So it's no real surprise that the same eleven keep playing every week. That's crazy to think if you discount the two loans and the fact that Pike and Cosgrove don't play, that means there's like fourteen players to pick from. <laughs> Eleven. Shocking, isn't it? Oh dear. And we say yeah. And that brings us back to transfer window, doesn't it? Which we'll talk about after these yeah, two games. Which we'll come which back is to end. Beginning to get a, a bit worrying, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, what can we say about this game? We were talking before we started recording, Ollie, weren't we? Um, in terms of what to say about this game, and in reality, it genuinely was one of the worst games of football you could wish to watch as a neutral. It was pretty crap to watch as a huge town fan, wasn't it? And um two teams with with almost no quality struggling to break each other down, not really creating anything, bit of a midfield battle, both teams error-strewn. There's not too many things to pick out in this game, Ollie, but, you know, let's start with the start. Um, yeah, they kind of had the better of the early chances of, of the very few chances there were, didn't they? Yeah, it was a game of head tennis, wasn't it? Oof, Camped in their half. Um, it was awful, awful um, standard of football. <laughs> I did a tweet at 24 minutes where I said it is, you know, calling this a game league um, Sunday league standard would be unfair to league one players. Sorry, league one players, Sunday league players. Um, yeah, they were, apparently they were league one players. Um, yeah, they're the first chance, um, and I guess we only really came into the goal game when we had that disallowed goal. Yeah, which was happened a few times in recent weeks. There's been weird situations where you know there's been fouls in inverted commas on the goalkeeper, and I didn't really see anything wrong with that. No. And so they think everyone touched the goalkeeper. I don't. I think you know my initial reaction watching it on the iFollow was we've been robbed again. Pretty similar to that incident at Crew that you were just sort of alluding to there, where keeper went down quite softly. We got the ball in the back of the net and the goal got disallowed. Obviously, same thing happened here. Now, when you watch it back in a bit more detail, which I have done today, the referee also almost indicates handball is one of the reasons why Does he's it? given the decision. So it could possibly be that when Pennington goes down near um, the goalkeeper, he certainly doesn't interfere with the goalkeeper. Goalkeeper goes down like a ton of bricks. Potentially, the balls come off Pennington. His hand and the ref is quite close, so maybe there was something in that there. But again, if it was, it didn't look like it might initially. It looked like it was given for a foul on the keeper, didn't it? And that's what got Shrewsbury Town fans annoyed. But having done a little bit more analysis this week, I think it might have been given for handball, and it's, it's impossible. Okay. It's impossible for us to really check on that. But a frustrating moment because it did initially feel like another crew moment, and it was like that cost us a crew, and it felt like oh god, it's going to cost us again. So a bit, a bit unlucky, but um, yeah, it was. It was just yeah. I think it was a what was it from a sort of corner or, or a free kick or a throw? I can't remember. It was something in the box like that wasn't it yeah it's a throw it's a throw yeah. into the box and we're going to on a really weird tangent and um, one of our favorite referees the referee that didn't give um, a foul for the reed's um, elbow of henderson oh yeah had a mare on friday night in the stoke game <laughs> he um, should have sent a player off for basically scraping his knees on Chigelka's knee and then that player went on to score at the goal against stoke God. and then about 15 minutes later didn't give a blatant penalty 
Oh dear. <laughs> and he had a shocker the other week for us, didn't he, as well? Because he was the one that yeah. messed us about his crew, wasn't he? So, oh, he's having a good yeah. for a couple of weeks, isn't he? Jesus Christ. He's uh, he yeah, two ricks yeah, there. He is. Hope we never have him again sometime soon. Funnily enough, talking about refs in this game, we had that Brett Huxtable, didn't we? Who, um, like a few people, I suppose, during COVID, seemed to have um, enjoyed himself quite a lot because he was waddling around the pitch at times. I'm in no position to comment, you know, being a bit of a fat lad myself. But yeah, I, I thought he was on the borderline of failing a, an EFL referee fitness test, maybe. But um, there we go. We, we've had him a few times. He's never stood out as absolutely garbage as far as I can remember so certainly couldn't blame him for drawing this game 0-0 could we? No, no, certainly not certainly not yeah, there was that opportunity wasn't there with Adobas going through um, towards goal like it was close, wasn't it? For me, that was a, was it Elmer? I think the guy, the gentleman's player's name, who brought down a dome, got a yellow. Mm. I think that was probably the right call. Yeah. Um, I think I think if you're in the stand, you'd be shouting for a red, um, especially at home. Um, but yeah, it was a yellow card, the right call. And then passes were going astray, and there was one phase of play, Glenn, where we gave the ball to them, they gave the ball back to us, um, and and then the, it was just odd. It was yeah, you've described it as long ball. Shite, Ollie. Um, there you go. I won't put, <laughs> put too fine a point on it. It was long ball, wasn't it? We were very, yeah. and it's a word I'm going to use in the second game as well. But because uh, someone described us as this, and I'll come back to it. But we're a bit agricultural, aren't we? At the moment, um, seem to have gone yeah. very much back to basics. And um, it wasn't just the the mistrade passes and and awful long balls. Like I think I tweeted out during the game, our long balls were exceptionally bad in this game. They just were all going out for goal kicks, as you just said then. Um, and it was terrible to watch. But it wasn't just that. There was another foul throw. Nurse did another foul throw. Second one in a couple of weeks. Had one at crew didn't he um and just the overall quality of the game there was mistimed tackles there was goal kick straight out of play there was like um just you know defenders dropping off all of a sudden for no reason but then a striker kind of not being able to do anything with it it was it was very you know snap snappy with sort of shots and stuff from really odd acute angles and woeful crossing from both teams um i can't really say much more about the first half ollie um we had two shots in it um i think one of them probably the best one was um a decent effort from bennett wasn't it that was quite a good chance but i think to sum up our output of the first half is a doe had one shot I think about five minutes before half time and ended up going out for a throw in Ollie so that was the first half it was a bloody awful game to watch <laughs> yeah it was dire it was really really dire um, and the second half didn't really get any better nope. did it nope. um, you know I thought we were looked tired rusty off the pace um, probably the more decent effort was uh, probably a doe wins the ball and he shuffles around onto one foot to another has a shot that's blocked yeah looked a bit desperate to be honest could have passed to someone um, and then, yeah, it was just, I don't know, it was, yeah, we were kicking the ball out of play as well, weren't we, in the second half? Yep. And I remember doing a tweet um, about 60 minutes where I, you were very quick to say how poor we were. Yeah. I remember seeing the tweet going, that's a bit harsh, Glyn. But then I, to be fair, I, I, you know, I always tried to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I said, yeah, I thought Glyn was being a bit too quick, but on a poor start, but we haven't started yet and it's still 60 minutes in. Um, and Cottrell said how the players need to make sure they get lots of sleep. I think they were probably playing um, on their PlayStation um, between Saturday night and um, and the day because they looked they looked like a team that's played every game. Yeah, <laughs> seven games in a row with two game weeks, including um, a mammoth um, um, task against Liverpool. They look like a team that should have had changes, as we just said at the start of this. So, um, yeah, I think maybe if we had chopped and changed it a little bit, I know Ekotra had a little bit of a pop about that, didn't he, at the start? We maybe would have got more out of the game. Who's to know, I suppose? But definitely, as this game went on, we certainly tired again. I mean, <clears throat> listening to the Radio Shopshire commentary, they talked about us being leggy in the first half, which is obviously always a concern, wasn't it? And, you know, that sort of thing is what undermines your general play, doesn't it? You'll find that your passing percentages are 
way lower than maybe you would expect. You know, I think it was fifty seven percent of this game when you you've put in the you know yeah it was a lot of that is the fatigue. It's not quite getting to the ball with enough time to take a touch and pick a nice pass. You're kind of rushed into it. You're you know sort of you're kind of chasing the game, aren't you? And that's sloppy. yeah sloppy. It causes mistakes. It causes mistimed tackles. Um, causes you to get run past. There was a couple of times again like similar games where and I, I can't fault Bennett and Davis for their work right at the moment. They are putting every single inch and ounce of effort they can into every moment but sometimes they are left a little bit wanting when a young lad who's who's just come on you know with fresh legs and we haven't done that kind of runs at them they must think oh, again <laughs> this is like the seventh time in a row this has happened so um but they, did, they didn't stop either of them. and just to give you context on that that statistic as well just to give it some context so against um against bolton um the you know the passing um, accuracy was was quite good at 74 percent um, even against crew it wasn't too bad yep. um where it was um 68% um, and then against sheffield wednesday um it was up 63% so obviously a bit lower but we as you know we didn't Expected. have a lot of ball and we were playing a bit more more direct there but it shows you you know just in terms of you know and uh, home to Atkinson, it was 83% wow so that's a just think of it in terms of just passes that's a lot of passes going astray isn't it that that was going you know go was going right before yeah, and, it, and the other worst thing about it was, you know, Gillingham are an abject football team, as we just discussed, and nothing changed my view of it watching this game. You know, um, there was a few chances they had later on, but they were all, all awful, really. And, you know, they're clearly going to be down the bottom and unlikely to get relegated, I would suggest, based on, on their form recently. But, you know, we gave Gillingham, this poor Gillingham chance, a real, genuine thought that they could win the game, which is frightening, isn't it, really? You know, that they, they actually had a bit of a spell at the end. They thought, we can win our first game here since October. You know, Shrewsbury Town haven't offered us anything that we well, should they, be concerned they about. Well, they the game Pointed yeah, definitely. And saying how terrible we are. Yeah. And obviously, we we went on a good run. We got into a decent place, but it was a dire, dire game. And to put it again, another context onto it. So our xG from this game was was point three one. <laughs> a single shot can have a better xG than that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. To be fair, uh, one of the reasons why is that. Um, the the little purple patch Bowman and Doe had where they started scoring goals and you could see a link up play and when they were both fully fit fully functioning and and everyone was kind of backing them up, it's gone. The 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 the, the play between those two has just dro- dropped off dramatically. And I think I saw another you mentioned today. You reminded me of a tweet I saw from um, from Salab Jack. Yeah, and he says that um, Odo has kept Cotter in a job. Yeah, which I thought was an interesting Maybe. point. Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe you might have to do it again over the next weeks. Um, but yeah, I think it was summed up what's going on with them at the moment was that chance where he had where you know Gillingham coughed the ball up crap because they're, they're not very good at the back and suddenly we had a two on one versus them with a Doe and Bowman running on. Bowman's on the right hand side, a Doe's on the left. There's two options. You can play that first time ball, put Bowman in, um, or you can run on as a Doe and you probably can finish if you're if you best form. And a Doe just looks a bit more panicked again, like he was when he was struggling to score goals and didn't quite know what to do. Um, delayed, took a touch, looked up, and then waited till Bowman was offside and passed it into him. And it was just a real indication of the kind of you know good moments we might find ourselves in that we're just not quite on top of at the moment. And um, I think that's I think you can say the same thing about Wimbledon at the, um, when we go to that game. As much as we scored in that game, it ended up being a bit slack sort of sloppy I suppose the finish but yeah I don't know they, they need to get back on it those two if we're going to if we're going to do anything more than kind of just keep our heads above water really because um, it isn't just about the goals they do need to kind of get back to that link up play and, and how we were doing during that good spell yeah to give a context well from the Gillingham side so Jill's in the blood uh, TV really really good account which you've mentioned whenever we play Gillingham really good guys he was saying you know, he was surprised how poor we were I said it's the worst performance we've had for a very long time yeah that's fair which I think I think just, I think, yeah, 
upset him a little bit in the sense that he was oh my god like so that was your like worst 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 low <laughs> and, still- and yeah for them like just yeah yeah and they still yeah Drew. still didn't beat us um which i think is yeah it just kind of puts it and also he was very critical of bowman he said basically just all game he just seemed to be trying to rubby tackle his player players yeah. um and and the way that we play if we play this direct f- football again we don't we just not direct in terms of long ball but it's direct in terms of getting the ball to strikers it's got to stick yeah. and if it doesn't stick um, you get what off also what happened against Wimbledon where the ball just goes out of play for goal kicks and it's a terrible watch. Bowen's definitely dropped off more than a doe. I, I'm happy, I'll happily say that, to be honest with you. I think his form has dropped off considerably more um, and he's definitely not contributing as much in games as a doe is, which is why he's generally being the one subbed off first, I guess, um, on the basis this well, week. It's funny you just mentioned Jill's in the blood. He's just literally just messaged me like this second because I asked him about the attendance um, and it was 3,200. And it's a good point. He said. He said he imagined the actual attendance was much lower <laughs> than that because that would have included season ticket holders or something. Yeah, like we do. Oh well, there you go. It would dead look mm. dead, didn't it, when the camera panned around? So um, yeah, not the best. They're, they're not in a good spot, are they? I guess their best chance came late on, didn't it? With as I say, that Akindi had a chance, didn't he? Quite Akindi quite... chance. Yeah. He, looking at watching it back again today, it wasn't as um, clear cut and a free yeah. hit. Yeah, clear cut. That's the word. Um, in terms of what I thought, but it was still a good opportunity. And then but yeah. that was it. We didn't really create any chances in this game, as as the XG shows. Is just that one or two chance really for us, but a dire game of football. Yeah. It was poor, wasn't it? Zero shots on target. Second half. There was the, the other moment we gave them was when Morosi made a bit of a mess up with a goal kick out, didn't he? Or sorry, a, a pass back to him. Then he tried to play out. Nurse saved him with a bit of pace before they could lob it into an open goal. But that's it. I got to say, we didn't have any shots on target in this half. What, what do you want to no. say? You know, it's, it's back back to a bit of rickets ball football again. Unfortunately, um, these games have crept in recently, haven't they? After that, that decent run that got us out of trouble. So yeah, just not a very good game of football, Ollie. I have nothing better to say about it. It it didn't tee us up well for what what you know. I suppose just taking a little step back before the start this week. I put a thing out on Twitter saying what would people's you know par score be for this week, Ollie, in terms of playing two teams below us in the league, both in pretty bad form. Um, we're obviously needing to get some wins now to keep ourselves out of trouble. What would most people's sort of par be in terms of a points return? And the general gist of it was most people expected us to get four points, maybe draw one of the games. Yeah, I would have said four. Or, and win one yeah, of the draw games. Draw against Wilmwood and beat Gillingham. Yeah, so it was between I three. Think that would have been a far yeah, par. Between three yeah. and four. And, and you had a couple of mad people saying six, and a couple of people who I initially thought were very negative saying, you know, zero or one and, and two. So it turned out they were the closer to it. But um, yeah, so I think that kind of didn't lead us into the Wimbledon game because, you know, you kind of would want to get that win and get that off the back, off our back this week and, and look to kind of double down against Wimbledon but just left us looking even more leggy um, still no recruitments for Wimbledon um, and it just it just kind of left us feeling like how do we kind of keep kind of keep this you know we're not losing but how do we kind of get back to a bit more I don't know winning ways a bit more front foot football from as far back as that Sheffield Wednesday game really I suppose so um, yeah it just wasn't a good game at all Ollie. Let's let's leave it there no no it wasn't very good um, yeah who was your top three top three um Interestingly, right, I thought everyone was so poor, but Pierre came on. We haven't mentioned it during the game, right? He came on to play maybe the last 20 minutes at centre-back. He was amazing. <laughs> he was really, really good. So I'm going for a, a, a slightly left-field Pierre man of the match because everyone else was terrible, really, deep down. They never, no one had a massively good game. Um, but Pierre, in his 20-minute spell, was probably a good 8 or 9 out of 10. He did, headed everything away, cleared everything away, went on a couple of mad runs. So let's go Pierre, man of the match. Why not? We're allowed a crazy one once a season. Um, I gave Nurse second. Didn't stand out as being t- particularly bad or particularly good, but did his job. Um, it's odd he was sort of taken off. Yeah. We took off um, Ogbetter and Nurse, two probably of the, the fitter and 
and obviously younger members of the squad. Yeah, which I don't think Nurse should have gone off. I thought he had a reasonable game, but no. maybe it was just a case of some some rotation, I suppose. Um, and then Davis third place, who again just runs himself to a to a crawl at the moment. And you look at him, you think, God, he's slow, but he's killed himself for ninety minutes every game at his age. I I can't fault the bloke. He really, really does put his body on the line for the club. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I thought, I thought Davis was good. He was my my number two. I went for Ebanks um, first. I thought he won some good tackles, some good blocks. Yeah. Um, and I went for Vela. I was, I was struggling, to be honest. Um, I was struggling. In terms of what the manager had to say, um, you know, we, they deserved no more than a point, so he, obviously he was honest. Um, yeah, he was quite spiky, as you'd expect, um, after a draw. I haven't watched it, um, he's, he's obviously a lot a lot more a lot more fun after a win. Mm. And I just would mention as well, if someone from the club is listening, can you record Steve Cottrell back a little bit? Um, he when I'm watching or anyone who will be watching this like Steve Cottrell was like basically his head was at the top of my screen and his chin was <laughs> at the bottom and when you look up it's quite um, intimidating that he's like a, yeah a huge face in my, in my living room it's too room. much for you Ollie uh, scary guess it's scary. a bit too much it is a bit too much to be honest <laughs> uh, but he's a bit feisty um, and uh, he had a few interesting comments so there was yeah. Yeah, basically, put them, he was obviously talking about that, putting their ball in the box. But I won't talk about the, 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 the what he said, really. Let's just talk about the interesting bits. So he said, basically, three subs to please the media. Ugh. And then he did smile because he realised he was being sarky. Um, and then he basically said two men who were off, off, basically off the pace and he could have changed nine at half-time. Didn't change any. And then someone says... And then there was a bit of a... In some ways, this was quite a, a, fair, a funny comment to him, but it was obviously one could be easily misconstrued and, and taken um, and probably maybe also made a bit of a meme or a video about it. So he said, well, how's the transfer window coming along? How's the window? Um, and he said he looks a bit misty and he needs a chamois lever. Yeah, I saw I saw that no context Steve Cottrell account posting things again. It, they are clearly only wait for him to be particularly angry with the press before they do that. Whoever runs that account because we haven't had it for like what six seven weeks have we? And now we've gone this slightly. Well, because sh- we've been winning games. Exactly. He's happy he's, Steve. He's been alright, hasn't he? So um, yeah, he certainly gives whoever does that plenty of material, doesn't he? But I only bit I saw back was you know the, the bit about the chamois levers, the bit that got played out, and um, it was quite funny because um, I meant mention it at the Wimbledon game, but just before we scored the. The equaliser at Wimbledon. There was a group of lads, and one of the lads sent me a DM um, after I tweeted about it, saying it was me. We thought it'd be a laugh, like um, swinging a load of chamois levers around their head uh, while they were sort of doing the cheering at Wimbledon to make up for his comments about he he was talking about the transfer window, wasn't he? And saying, you know, it looks a bit misty, but I've got my sort of chamois leather out to clean the window, sort of thing, or whatever whatever the context that was. And it was a a bit of a window uh, cleaner analogy, wasn't it? Um, So it was a bit odd. Didn't sound particularly positive about assigning anyone, and nor did he have to Wimbledon. But um, I thought that was quite funny. I think someone had bought some from a, a London market on the way down to the game. So there we go. But anyway, yeah, it was a shit game. Um, what could he say? There wasn't much to, to write home about. And, uh, no, there wasn't. Yeah, we, we didn't get much for our £10 and I follow this week. Um, so there we go. Yeah, same value we've got for all away games this season. Um, we've won <laughs> one, haven't we? So it's not too, we, can't, we shouldn't be too surprised. And unfortunately, we had another away game this week. Mm. So let's talk about the Wimbledon game. It was no more than Shrewsbury deserved. The cross coming in from Billy Askew, signed on loan this week. The finish from who else? Gary Shaw. Vintage Shaw, really. AFC Wimbledon won, Shrewsbury Town won um, a point, and we've got a goal. It's nice to see Ado score a goal as well, so that was good for him. He scored in the second half. Yep. Wimbledon got their goal in the first half. There was 7,000 home fans, which is good attendance in Wimbledon, um, to be fair. And, yeah, and then nice new stadium. I'd like to get your opinion on that one, Glenn. Mm. And then... 800 Hardy Town fans, another good um, away performance. And of course, you obviously there's a good good number of London shrews. But yeah, what was your kind of take on Wimbledon's ground? 
Yeah, I'll come to the general trip in a minute. But in terms of the stadium, obviously, I think that was one of the reasons why it boosted, as we said, up the crowd in terms of people wanting to look at that new stadium and kind of go, kind of get their 92 back up if they've dropped one from uh, having been to the old uh, Kingstonian ground where, you know, last season. So, yeah, I thought it's funny because a lot of people say it's very small, it's very diddy and, you know, it's penned in with like a load of like flats around it. There's not a lot of room for expansion, it doesn't look like. But for me, I thought for a club for Wimbledon, considering where they've come from, um, you know, the fact they've had to start from scratch and build their way all the way back up to getting their old ground back at Plough Lane, um, obviously where the, it's now where the um, now where the dog track used to be years ago. I thought it was an ideal size stadium for them. And particularly when it was almost full like it was on Saturday, their, their stands were pretty full. They've obviously, It's obviously encouraged their crowd to come up a little bit, I would say. Obviously, we filled the away end. It was a really good atmosphere. Both sets of fans made a really good sound. Um, and I thought it was it was just, yeah, neat, tidy, perfect for them. A couple, a couple of little niggles I think they'll sort out over the time, much like our stadium where you kind of first get there and five years later people think why did we do that you know the ways in and out the stadiums from the different local train stations are a bit um you know around the houses because of the police blockades and bits and bobs like that particularly when you were leaving um and it is a bit of a walk from from tooting back or wimbledon mainline train station so but you know no, no further than it is from from our train station to our football ground so um and, and a couple of pubs there are on the way there as well and yeah when you're in london you have to the whole of london to kind of socialize in pre-match before you get to the game haven't you so i thought it will in all it was a nice little stadium a nice little atmosphere um and and suits them down to the ground and their main stand looks really nice i think in terms of a, a kind of more modern looking um and, and kind of corporate boxy you know they were mostly empty but there's there's room to expand their corporate side as well so all in all i was quite impressed ollie to be honest with you yeah no, it was interesting to get your opinion it looked like a nice stadium the yeah. photo i've seen always looks really good as you say a fantastic story uh, brilliant a, a really good story um about obviously the, the true the true dons um, it does bug me that MK Dons, I wish they'd just changed their name to something else, but yeah, obviously they're the true Dons. I'm going to sound like I'm repeating myself because I always bring this story out quickly, don't know when we're talking about Wimbledon, but you know, I went to that first ever game they had, you know, when they relaunched as was as AFC Wimbledon at Kingstonian's ground with their part-time guys they'd got off the the training pitches at um at uh, the Hackney Marshes and for them to be back at Plough Lane now in in that small period of time from whatever it was 2004 I think it was, you know, it, it's a miraculous story and I I have got a lot of time for it. So um yeah, so all in all it was good and and you know, branding inside was nice, nice nice colors, club colors, the whole thing looked nice. So that was good, um, which was good because I could barely see some of it at times because of my uh, hangover I had because we went on a big trip down, Ollie, on the train, uh, me and me and six lads. Um, yeah, so got the train down Friday um, at nine o'clock in the morning, <laughs> nice and early, uh, and then ended up checking into a hotel around Euston and, and had a nice out around Euston and King's Cross area and some other bits and bobs. So I'm not sure where we ended up, to be honest with you. So that was good. And then obviously on the Saturday made the, I think it's seven miles from Euston to Wimbledon, but made use of a bit of walking and a bit of the a bit of the tube to get down there. Um, and then, yeah, nice record recommendation for a pub if you're doing this ground anymore go to Tooting Beck um, tube station and there's a pub called The Castle right in Tooting Beck High Street a lovely place um, nice mix of yeah I've been there have you oh yeah, there you go. one of my mates lived in Tooting Beck. It's a good pub. Yeah, oh, oh, there you go. I didn't know that, Ollie. Um, yeah, it was fa- it was fantastic, and it was a nice mix of home and away fans in there, which was quite nice, and um, yeah, really good. So that that'd be a, a recommendation for next time because uh, I'm sure fans will want to do. Saw Darren Band on the train on the way down, Ollie. I'm not sure if he was going down for some media commitments on Friday. So there we go. We had a bit of a, a celebrity spotting moment, and uh, all in all, nice, nice, nice uh, kind of night night out and a, and a night out before a, a football game is always a good bit of fun, isn't it? And I think that that is. Um, we'll come to the crowd and everyone was but I, I always think that when you've got one of these ones where probably a fair few people have come down on the train and had a drink and maybe stayed over and had a night out it does lubricate the vocal cords Ollie a little bit doesn't it yeah, and um, it definitely it definitely did on Saturday 
Yeah, whenever we play in, in <laughs> London, to be honest, who's often as good, isn't it? I mean, Charlton yeah. Away is always a good. I remember Charlton Away a couple of years ago, I think basically three quarters, maybe even 80% of the Truth to Town fans were absolutely leathered. <laughs> um, and it did make a really good um, atmosphere. Burton's normally the same, isn't it? We've got that coming up in a few weeks. So yeah. Everyone gets on the ale train and crew was the same. So, yeah, keep it up. It's good. It's always good to hear us loud. But, yeah, um, not the same team, Ollie. Shocking. No, there was a change. <laughs> so, um, Leahy... Um, the, the the manager's son was, was was injured. Um, apparently, it's the first time he's ever been injured in his in Mad his that. career. Yeah, and missed first time he's missing the game, which I do find that a bit odd. Considering he's you know if he's twenty, maybe I'd believe that. But yeah, if the manager says it's true, I, I it must be true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, there was one change in midfield, and Fournier came in um, for for Leahy, and that was the only change. And the line that you said for the for the Jills game. Yeah, four now into midfield, um, which is good because you know comes comes highly rated, doesn't he? We we didn't really talk about his signing too much um, during last week because no. it kind of came late on, didn't it? But you know he he's a highly rated lad from Forest. There, hoping he goes out and gets games. Yeah, he played quite a number of games um, yeah. in a kind of like a deep line role, a bit like Godfrey did. Um, he played a similar number of games that Godfrey did as well in League One, which is always encouraging. Yeah, and uh, to see a player play that many games, so yeah, um, encouraging sign, and hopefully he can do the business for us. But at least Glenn, he's actually starting yeah. the game, um, because there's nothing worse than um, us signing a player and then like him never actually playing for us. <laughs> like the other lad we got on loan who hasn't started a game yet, has he? I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I, I think yeah, that... he has. He's come off the bench twice. Yeah, but I'm saying he hasn't started yet, so he's ahead of. Yes, he's ahead no, of no, him, no, he hasn't I, I thought that you know yeah. probably won't mention him too much during the game because he, he didn't get involved in too many of the key moments. But I thought it was a performance from Fauna that was one that built as the game went on. I thought he started quite slowly and maybe just getting up to the pace of what this level's like and kind of sussing out different bits and pieces and obviously playing with new players he never played before. I thought he got better as the game went on. Um, he probably had his best spell in the sort of 10, 15 minutes before he went off, Ollie, I think. Um, and maybe a lot of that was there was legs, to be honest with you, as, as, as coming into that League One level. is quite intense when you haven't played that much football, I suppose. So, um, yeah, I thought it was it was a performance that grew and it was something um, I kind of came away thinking I, I'd like to see a bit more of him as we go forward, for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. He hasn't played, obviously, um, this, he hasn't played um, first team football this season, um, so it's good to see him get a, get a start. And yeah, he looked he looked pretty good. Um, I, I thought he looked like he's got really good control. Yeah, his technique looked really good. Um, you know, he looks like a, he looks quite physical. Um, he looks quite pacey. So yeah, fingers crossed he can be a good addition um, for the rest of the season. But what about this first half, Ollie? <laughs> I mean, we talked about you know it being pretty crap against Gillingham for 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 ninety minutes. Um, we certainly continued the Gillingham game form into this opening uh, opening spell. I mean, we, we started. We started it, better, but, geez, it got bad. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it seems to be my my stat of the week is this passing percentage, Ugh. but it started as high as sixty six percent, Glenn. Yeah, and as the first half ended, it was back at fifty six. Not surprised. Not surprised. No. So we started okay. Um, we did make a mistake, didn't we? That was that Davis header back. And Pennington just about survived it. Yeah. The, then the Wimbledon player kicked it against um, Morosi and he went flying. We got away from that. Then we started going forward and I thought we looked quite good. We're some really nice switch balls to better, which were working really well. And then Ebanks did this really weird kind of little lofted tap Ugh. pass in behind Pennington and into no man's land. And basically Wimbledon just kind of caught on it, counter-attacked, or counter-attacked, we're in, we're in our half already. Cross from the right, cross in, head into the back of the net. A nice goal from a Wimbledon's point of view, but for us it was terrible defending and really poor decision-making from, from Ebanks. 
if you're letting a guy who's five foot seven score an unopposed header on your six yard box, then you've had a shocker, haven't you? Let's be brutally honest about it. He was the shortest lad on the pitch by a considerable distance, and and Ebanks had a nightmare with the goal. Obviously, the back pass was crap, but he still had a bit of time to get back in and maybe even mark that guy. And he was when the when the ball at the back of the net, Ebanks was kicking the post, like the sort of staunchen post where the nets hold up on the left hand side of the goal. He got pulled so far out of position, he just sort of ran off the pitch by the end of it, and um, he just got his head all in a spin. Very uh, very un Ebanks like to be fair. Um, he hasn't done you know too many critical errors, I suppose, this season for us, but just just not great. And and we'd been on top until they scored. You know that first ten minutes, I say we were the better team but between this goal and our first goal we were abject this the end of this first half and the start of the second half for, for a little bit I just thought we were absolutely awful and it just reverted back to the same old Gillingham problems really but um yeah the goal was was not not good at all and um yeah town fans were quite miff, miffed that this short lad had scored right in front of them um so <laughs> that didn't go down very well Ollie yeah it was poor wasn't it and, and how did the the nine years podcast which is the ASA Wounded podcast describe the untreated town well in all honesty right we've often you know come on here and been quite critical of long ball teams haven't we and said I wouldn't want to watch that football every week and etc etc but this week most of the football we produced has been incredibly agricultural and that's how the Wimbledon podcast described us first half a, an agricultural team that were, were not were not great um, and fair enough you know if you watch that, the rest of that bit period between their goal and our goal it was long balls Long throws, attritional play for corners and free kicks, which we would always waste, and you know the passing percentages in terms of like normal football, you know, in terms of transitions and kind of trying to press up high and break, just wasn't happening. It was a low percent, low percentage passes, as you say, for completion, and and not really much of a kind of killer threat, really. So, and again, Wimbledon, not an amazing team. Um, so for us to be being like this against Gillingham and Wimbledon this year, this week was a bit of a worry. But I thought agriculture was a very good description of us, of the most. Um, you know, on the balance of the two games this week, and um, as is not a word that I like to associate with us, but we we give that tag to other teams, so I think it's only fair that we receive it when we're playing like that. Yeah, I was looking back through a number of of games. The kind of long ball number seems to be quite consistent. Yep, around seventy, eighty. Um, so I just went back to the the game at home against um, Accrington Stanley, and we did the virtually the same number, um, a little bit less against. Accrington standing against Bolton, it was very similar as well, number of, of long balls. Mm. So, yeah, I think maybe it's just that we weren't really playing anything on the deck and that had gone. And that's so then obviously your overriding memory is those long balls. Yeah. Um, because we didn't keep possession at all, did we, on the deck? Which is something we normally do. We normally do both, don't we? Yeah, we do normally do, but I think as a fan, when you're at a game and you're watching it, you know, from the dispassionate possession of of kind of wanting to watch it and get excited about a match, if you're in a in a midfield and there's a couple of little snappy passes and then someone intercepts and you lose the ball and and there's a break, you kind of think, oh, fair enough, we tried to play some football there. But when you're watching a team just pummel it long and it go in straight out play for a goal kick, that's aggravating to a fan, isn't it? You you oh the channel balls, you pick up on it, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was very noticeable in this game. I think it was not just obviously two things they were talking about. One is we don't won't do as many short passes, so obviously the, the long balls stick in your memory. But also the, the the passes we were playing were terrible. We're you know, we've often done well with, with those channel balls, but they went out for corners at least three times in the first half. Yeah. Um and it just the ball wasn't sticking, it was just going straight out for goal kicks. It was very poor from a shooter time um, point of view. And and in that instance, 
Odo, Odo and Bowman can't have any influence on the game. All they're chasing is lost causes and Bowman's just putting in niggly tackles you know, on the byline, trying to skip it in or win a corner or something. But it's it's not it can't be much fun to be playing like that either. So, yeah, all in all, kind of bypassed the midfield at times as well. So Fornal didn't really, as I say, during that spell, didn't really get too much of a, of a kick of the ball at times. And um, same could be said for Vela, I suppose. And um, yeah, just the, as the half went on, we got worse and worse, I thought. And I think it was interesting. A lot of town fans, again, due to the nature of that weekend away in London and having had a few ales, the last eight to ten minutes of the half, almost half the Shrewsbury Town fans left their seat to go and get a pint in the bar behind the stand. And it was <laughs> almost empty with maybe five minutes and a half left to go. There was obviously three minutes injury time, I think, something like that. But, you know, I, I didn't leave and I kind of watched it. And it just, the whole place unfilled out. The, the chanting stopped because I think most of the lads who kind of got the drum and the chanting had gone for a beer as well. And it just, the whole thing died off. And actually, the, the ones that were left there booed Town off, which, to be honest with you, was probably fair enough. We, we'd been so poor in that last 15-minute spell particularly and it was pretty crap to watch. Um, memories of Gillingham as well. Yeah, a little bit of sort of mild booing, which we haven't really, I haven't really heard and I've been to pretty much every game recently for quite a while so yeah there was definitely a niggle there and it just felt like when when they walked off at half time having been booed off I thought they need something second half here we need, we need to get at least a point out of this to just stave off anything too kind of toxic for the moment yeah yeah no um, it's uh, it was not a good first half but second half do you think it was better Glenn yeah just before we get to second half Ollie I just wanted to do a shout out because by the time, you know, my, a couple of my mates had gone to the bar, by the time I was um, going to go down, uh, a bloke next to me kind of just came over and tapped me on the shoulder and said, oh, not like you work on the podcasts. I'd never met this guy before. Um, and he, he was he was a lad called Simon um, and he had his son, uh, Sebastian. I think he was six. Um, and he brought his son. Um, so he was originally from Shrewsbury, now lived down in Kent, follows the follows the club mostly through listening to the podcast and, and watching the games and I follow, which is which is really good. Um, and, and said, yeah, and he brought his lad to his first ever football game. So I thought it was really nice having a chat with him at halftime, meeting somebody new. And I said to him, this is this is why we love doing it, me and Ollie, is that we kind of get to know a few more people and you can kind of talk to them about the match. And it means that when they come again, they get more than welcome to come and to have a chat with us as well. And kind of that whole community part of it as well, Ollie, which was great. So, yeah, before we get in the second half, I just thought that was good because it was one of, the, one of the highlights of Saturday, really getting to meet someone new. So, yeah, on the way out, it was really good because they came past us and his son was there. And I said, at least you got to see a goal. And he had a massive smile on his face. So, again, great that someone, some young lad coming to watch his first Tuesday game might get the bug for life for all we know. Um, at least he got to see a goal and a big mad celebration, which was great. And um, yeah, the other side of halftime, Ollie, which you won't be aware of, um, was everyone went to the bar to get a drink. And as much as their nice stadium is really nice and looked brilliant, um, they had a few teething problems, should we suggest, with serving fans at halftime. They had two kind of um, bars with sort of shutters that could go up and down. And there must have been a queue of, I don't know, 300, 300 town fans maybe in it. I think the first sort of like 100 people might have got a pint. And then suddenly the card machines stopped working, I believe, in the one. So people have been queuing for a good 10 minutes Shutters came down right in front of them. Came down right in front of my mates, actually, just so we're about to get a drink. And everyone sort of shuffled around to the other bar, and then they just brought the shutters down there. So, yeah, no pints for anyone at half... Well, only only a third of the fans probably got a pint at half-time, which didn't go down very well. So um, everyone came back, and I was standing in the seats, watching everyone file back into the um, stand, and everyone was just shaking their head. Just head down shaking their head about what had happened so I'm pretty glad I didn't go down there at half time instead of had a chat with Simon so yeah there we go I'm sure people made London up for it prices Clint that's well, probably about three grand yeah I, well I'll tell you what do you know what have a guess where the most expensive round I bought this weekend was Euston Station or was it Shrewsbury? Crew Train Station. Absolutely scandalous prices at Crew Train Station. So um, there we go. We're going to say it's crew prices from now on, not uh, not London prices. But anyway, there we go. That's what, that's our side. So yeah, there was a bit of a niggle there and a few town fans were a bit bit miffed about that. I think a few got a bit, sh- a bit sweary and shouty down there from what I can hear. But nothing major happened. There we go. They need to they need to get on top of that for next season when we come back. We need our ales. 
<laughs> cool. Yeah, that's a surprise. <laughs> so yeah, let's get this second half done. Sure. Um, so yeah, so for me there was yeah there was a little change. Um, Fornell went to the left. Um, Bella went to the right, which meant he linked up with Bennett. Um, I thought there should have been a red card for a Sal. So I um, mean, the first half he got booked for diving because he's dive. a little shit. Um, and then in the second half he put in one on on Bennett. And for me, it's a yellow card. It's a yellow card every day of the week. He put his studs in on Bennett, and yeah. he should have been had a second yellow. He didn't get some off. The referee bottled it. Um, so that was really poor. I think we probably could have maybe won the game if they'd gone down to 10 men. Yeah. And then um, and then, then we scored a really nice goal. Great this goal. was a, a class, class goal. So um, so the ball goes up to a doe, a long ball, Glenn. You like that? Yeah, um, finally A kind of wins it in a funny way, and he kind of... The ball kind of jumps out to Bowman. Bowman gets the ball passes to Vela. Vela um, passes the ball out to Bennett, who's out wide. Um, Bennett runs forward, passes the ball to Vela, who does one of those inside runs from midfield yeah. outwards into the gets the ball. Vela back heels it back to Bennett, who crosses the ball into Bowman, who sets up a doe. A very very I'd call it a mucky goal. Um, yes, keeping that agricultural link going. Um, but a goal all the same, but really, really good build-up play. And the manager was particularly impressed because he said that's something that's the kind of goal that they work on in training. Yeah, it's a shame there was the, the bit where it got crossed in to Bowman and then ended up with a doe was a little bit mucky. Like we got a lucky kind of lucky touch in there that fell to a doe and he just sort of toe poked at home as it dribbled over the line, didn't he? But it's a shame because the build-up play to that was ace. It would have been one of the goals of the season if it had been a crisp goal. Do you know what I mean? If it if those last little bits had been really crisp and he'd hammered it into the top of the net or something, we'd have been talking about that goal for quite a long time. We still will. It was a really important goal, I think, in the context of the game and potentially the season but yeah lovely little build up play right in front of the town fans which was amazing and um, yeah like like recent games when we have been scoring in front of these fans it was a proper big mental ollie and everyone went crazy um, there was just loads of limbs everywhere which was which was fantastic to see and um, yeah really loud that was another good thing about the Wimbledon Stadium I thought the acoustics were in a way and were brilliant it was it sounded amazing when we scored um, proper sort of salad raw kind of thing and um, yeah great moment great great goal got up to 11 for, for, for a doe now so kind of getting four away from his, his 15 he wants this season and um, from the goal onwards, it was all us. We were going to be the only ones to score, um, but we just didn't create enough half-decent chances, really. That was a problem. But yeah, brilliant moment in terms of the goal. Yeah, it was It was a few nice a few nice moments. Uh, definitely, you could hear the Shooter Town fans um, in the second half, as you could in the first. Yeah. Probably the best chance I've probably in the second was probably that F- long-range effort from, from Ado, which um, caught the keeper yeah. kind of yeah, unawares. Um, but other than that, not really too much to talk about. Yeah, we had. It's funny. We we. I felt on on the game, being there on the day, and may, maybe this is the side of talking, but it was very exciting. The last bit of the game, you know, we were into it, and every time we came forward, there was that roar to kind of get us going on there. But yeah, you're right, Ollie. On the cold light of day, two days later, with a with a hangover now, um, we didn't create enough, did we? In that in that in that last spell, even that Ado chance was quite wide, to be honest with you. Um, and there was a couple of other sort of shots that were blocked, and it was anemic football, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a few balls that went. There was one cross I remember that went right across six yard box, um, and, and at that point we had three strikers. Yeah, we we actually did we changed formation. I don't I, I didn't couldn't really figure out what we were playing. The the camera kept zooming in too much, so I couldn't really figure out what we were playing. So maybe you can help me there. But yeah, we actually took off the midfield and we're on a striker. We yeah. Changed yeah, it was amazing. It was, and amazing. It was odd. That's what was more frustrating when we put a ball right across six yard box that not one of those three strikers was there. So that no. was a bit unfortunate. But um, yeah, it wasn't to be, was it? We didn't. We didn't have that. You know, you just thought if we could have created one big chance in front of our fans, you'd have felt like that. That was the kind of deciding factor. We'd have got it, and the, the whole place would have gone off. It would have been absolutely amazing to have to a nick to win there. Um, and we definitely were the ones pushing for the win more. You know, they had a couple of breaks, but nothing too significant. Um, we never really looked like we were in threat of conceding anything without it being a mistake. Sort of thing so yeah just last last 20 minutes 
a lot of ball, a lot of bits of nice playing midfield, lots of pushing and long throws, but not quite that final bit of quality. And yeah, we leave we leave with that as the main frustration, I suppose. Yeah, it's frustrating. End of the frustrating week um, True, in three right. ways. Gillingham, Wimbledon transfer, yeah. which we'll come on we'll come to soon. <laughs> um, so there, very, very quickly. Again, XG, we didn't break one. We got 0.8. Yep. So that just shows you how bad you know, the game against Jills was. Top threes, um, I'm going for, I don't know, Bennett, Ado, Pennington didn't really make any mistakes. Um, yeah. It's hard to pick um, top three, so this one, to be honest. I've got the same three. I've got Bennett as man of the match. He was definitely our best player. Didn't didn't stop the whole game, ran, ran himself into the ground, like I was saying about Davis in the, in the in the Gillingham game. I had Pennington as the best of the, of the three centre-backs, to be honest with you, during the game. Uh, Ebanks had a couple of little shaky moments again, and, and Nurse, as well as he's been playing recently, he just was, was kind of his normal self, really. But I thought Pennington was good going forward and, and kind of trying to get us out of trouble at times. Um, and Ado scored his goal. I didn't think his overall contribution to the game was that good. But um, when we needed him to score, he scored. So I will give him some credit for that. So that was my top three as well. And and before we move away to listening to what happened sort of post-match, I guess I'll come to kind of my journey, journey home in a minute. But, um, you know, I just got to say, one of the best things to come out of this, actually, in terms of, you know, we've got the kind of pile of what we make of our overall experience to Wimbledon. It's a bit difficult to walk to, but it's a nice stadium when you get there. You know, they had a few heathen problems serving us beer, but on the flip side, you know, often we've been very critical on the podcast of stewarding at grounds, haven't we? In fact, of how absolutely ridiculous it is and you sit in this seat here and don't move and what happened at crew we talked about a few weeks ago Ollie in terms of stupid stewarding yeah. you know not letting us go under the barriers to go around to the loo or the or the buffets the stewards at Wimbledon were bloody amazing because it, it was so lively during the game like the town fans were really loud there was like a group of six seven of them down the front and they just all were clapping with the town fans they were sort of putting their hands up in the air when we were doing the ado chant and they were really into it it was great and one lad went up then um, up the cor- cor- sort of um, the sort of stairs where, near where we were and he went to the back of the stand and he was chanting and clapping where he was on his sort of beauty someone put a town scarf around him he was loving it they, and it was like a real good bunch of them and then as we left the stadium they were kind of fist bumping high-fiving people saying oh, you one of the best bunch of fans we've had down here that was great and do you know it's just quite it was quite nice to have that kind of reaction and sort of they went for the, the they went for the full how to win how to um, yeah win friends and influence people exactly trying to be nice yeah. rather than just being absolute um or you can imagine the words yeah um yeah in terms of just being idiots and, and winding people up yeah. it doesn't really work does it i don't i don't mind it if you're there to be a steward you're doing a job but if you can enjoy your day, why not? Let them get away with it. As long as there's nothing controversial and he's sorting out, it's fine. So I thought it was it was a nice refreshing change from some of the... I can remember, you know, we've talked about Bradford and, and other places where we've been where stewarding's just been awful. Um, so yeah, fair play. That was kind of the last little cap on, on my experience at Wimbledon, I suppose. Cool. So um, yeah, that manager, what do you have to say? Oh, I can't bother going through what you had to say, uh, really. <laughs> um, he was pretty, pretty upset. I think probably just go up about transfer things, really. He said um, things are, are happening... But whether it happened quick enough, he doesn't know. Um, is it really, again, this comes back to Steve Cottrell and I guess one of his biggest traits, he says you have to switch off from transfers with mm. a midweek game. But, I mean, just put your head in your hands and you're like, for God's sake, we've got a head of recruitment. What's Keith Bird doing? We play, we play, we play, you know, nearly 10 games a, a season. We have 10 times a season, we have a double game week. You know, he doesn't have the capacity to do everything. That's why we've ended up with a dodgy kit and all this kind of nonsense, because he has to, to get involved in everything. And a good leader often delegates, and he doesn't seem to delegate, and we, we seem to be really struggling for, for signings again. We'll come on to transfers a bit more mm. detail. And then also then he says Cosgrove, it doesn't really know that's all up in the air. Uh, but obviously Cosgrove was kind of almost banished from the bench, but he's back again. Um, so yeah. it'd be interesting to see what happens there. My view on that one, Ollie, from putting pieces together, and I could be wrong, but sometimes I'm right, so who knows. 
I don't think Shrewsbury Town have a uh, option to cancel that loan contract. Well, clearly not. Clearly not. Surely would have yeah. sacked him off and by now. There is and one. Saved a month's wage. Yeah, there is one, but it's clearly it's clearly in Birmingham's favour to bring him back if they'd have needed him. And frankly, they are so bust ass with money at the moment that they would rather we paid him the reported four grand a week, which is a scandalous amount of money if we have to have him for the rest of the year and he doesn't play. So um, who knows? Hopefully, for, for things do fall into line, and then they've got him another loan deal lined up, which means they can record. Well, potentially, him. that's you can't imagine that you know you can't imagine that I don't know nurse or you know well something like that probably on two grand a week. So that's two permanent signings for the cost. It's going to kill us, yeah. It's going to kill us if we have to keep him, and he's on that money that you know he's reportedly on, and he he'll have been one of the biggest plus plus national insurance contribution, yeah. bonuses, expenses, God knows what else. Fuck knows. It's not. It's been a terrible, terrible deal. The Cosgrove deal, hasn't it? So there we go. Um, so we'll find. We'll figure out what happens this week. Well, obviously, we've only got a couple of days left, haven't we? So um, it's going to be decided one way or the other by the middle of this week. Um, I suppose just before we move on to talking about transfers and maybe a little bit more details, a couple of rumours, isn't there at the moment knocking around? Um, it was quite funny. Uh, the last kind of last bit of the weekend, really, for a reflection, I suppose, was um, all the town fans that went down on the train. Obviously, had the same trip back. We left it an hour. Didn't didn't leave um, Euston till. Um, I think our train was at half past seven, so we had, we had a couple of drinks on the way back and got a Burger King, sat on the train, and um, yeah, there was these two young lads sitting in the seats behind the sort of four seats, the two sets of seats we had both sides of it, and playing a bit of music and stuff. No, nothing to it. No, no, it weren't offensive or anything like that. And then they started asking us a couple of questions about connections to Liverpool and how it all works and where we were going. And it was only really the last 10, 15 minutes we got chatting to them. And um, the one guy sort of said, what have you been up to? And we were like, oh, we've been to watch the football at Wimbledon, you know, Shrewsbury Town fans. And he was like, oh, hate Wimbledon, I hate Wimbledon. And we were like, all right, he was, he was really thorough about it. It was like, what's this all about? And um, as it turned out, He's a professional footballer, and he was a, a young lad called Jay Bird, who is a MK Don's. I think he was a midfielder, um, and he was on the bench that day. They played Wickham, so he'd obviously played at Wickham, got the bus back into London, um, and he was off off up to Liverpool with his mate to see some friends. Um, and he seemed like a really nice lad, to be honest with you. In the end, in fact, his the saddest thing for him was when he got to Crew. Him and his mate's bus uh, train to Liverpool got cancelled, so there he was, professional footballer, and he was having to get on the bus replacement service to Liverpool, Ollie, which I'm not <laughs> not sure he was overly pleased about, but. The, the in, most interesting thing about it was we got talking to him and um, when we told him we were Shrewsbury Town fans he was like what league is Shrewsbury in? and I was like how like it's odd isn't it you would think a professional footballer he, he must have only been 18 like you'd think if you're, if you're an MK Dons player you must at least be aware of the other 23 teams you're going to play in the league this season and what league they're in and yeah he hadn't got a clue Shrewsbury Town were so um, that was fine my brother tried to recruit him because he said he was uh, he'd had an injury and hadn't been playing as much as he might have wanted to and my, mom, my brother was saying well you know we're still looking for a midfielder you might want to give Steve Cottrell a call so um, if that turns out to be the deal then I think my brother deserves a bit of praise so um, yeah it was just you know you don't often see you know or talk to professional footballers I suppose and um, yeah quite an interesting little story on the way back and then when we got off we found out Ebanks Landell had been in first class he wasn't slumming it like uh, old Jay Bird and um, yeah we, we, we walked past him and my brother said well played today Ethan and he, he looked a bit upset because of what happened for the goal maybe so we left him be and we, we yeah. got back to, to God's own town in Shrewsbury yeah. and finally got to bed at half 11 cool, uh, cool. So, yeah, interesting yeah interesting week um, and yeah let's let's do transfers and yeah let's, let's put this one to bed that's Nolan it's bitter than John Nolan! Shrewsbury Town, the team who've stood tall amongst Giants in League One this season! So, transfers. But before we do transfers, I just want to kind of say, obviously, David Davis um, had, a, had a kid born on Wednesday. Yes. Uh, so, congratulations to him. He had a little girl um, being born, which is really odd, isn't it? That football is an industry where paternity leave doesn't exist. No. Now, obviously, we would have missed David's quite considerably if you hadn't played on, on Saturday mm. or, or Tuesday as well. Um, but yeah, I wasn't travelling with work before my little one was born. 
And it's just, yeah, it's a little bit sad in some ways. Obviously, it's, it's a completely different industry and all that kind of stuff. But as you're a father, Glenn, it's a bit strange. Imagine just having to leave your wife with your kid to go and play football, go to work when the rest of the country has, has a bit of time off. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure, I'm sure it gets worked out eventually with, with things, doesn't it? This is obviously still going to be around quite a bit outside of training, but it is a bit of an odd one. It's also an industry, Ollie, where you're not necessarily always there at the birth of your child, are you? There's been plenty of no. occasions where there's a Champions League final and someone's someone's wife is given birth to a son and they're off in you know, Madrid at a Champions League final or something like that. There was a few stories like that, wasn't there? So, yeah, it is, it is obviously a football comes first kind of mentality, isn't it, for football players? And I suppose it is their career and it is a fleeting career and you don't want to ever miss a game, do you? Because you could get injured in the next game and the whole thing's over, isn't it? So I guess it is very different to a, a job like you know a lot of us do, I suppose, listening to this. But, um, yeah. yeah, congratulations, Dave. Um, obviously, he's had a, a decent season so far. So we add in, add into his family is obviously bringing him a bit more joy in 2020. So, yeah, hopefully uh, he settles down with this new baby now and I'm sure that... Uh, a few more late nights uh, wouldn't be ideal for us, but we'll let him off. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we'll be interested. Maybe, maybe a night in a hotel will do some good. Um, a question. Um, so, transfers, Glenn. Question straight off the bat. Do you think we'll sign anyone? I thought you were going to say, question is, what the hell are we playing at? Um, <laughs> that would have been a good question as well, Ollie. Do, we think, do I think we'll sign anyone? Um, it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, I think we'll probably sign someone, but... Will it be who Steve Cottrell's thinking about? You know, is is maybe his upper echelon A target? I bet it won't be. We've seemed to have messed it up in the summer. We'll probably mess it up in January. I think we'll end up with another lone player. I, I think we'll probably get some cover at right wing back. But if we only brought in one right wing back between now and the end of the end of the window, I would not be shocked at all, Ollie. I, one zero to one players would be my hedge bet if I was going for what we're going to do between now and the end of the window. I put a, a tweet out just before the podcast started and it got a lot of response. I said, you know, why do you think we aren't signing anyone? And then there were people saying lack of funds, and quite a few people mm. were talking about funds. I don't quite agree with that. Obviously, we did have that comment in me from um, from um, Brian that there was money available and stuff. So that's one thing that people was a quite a bit of a theme. And one of them was a lot of people talked about like Steve Cottrell's like is is like is stubborn and you know potentially his reputation is going to struggle and also our league position is another one as well. But I thought it was a really really good point. Um, from like if you, there's a few people who kind of put, if you pull all together so Cal um, not Carl um, said um, Steve is very picky he won a character he wants and um, he has got a fitness criteria and then also Sai um, said too many kind of like basically too many tick boxes for, for Steve Cottrell to tick you probably only want to sign vaccinated players uh, which would rule a few out imagine the budget and also yeah you know he's, he's kind of put that so I think I thought it was interesting as Lots and lots of different reasons why people don't think we're not signing yep. anyone. For me, I think there's definitely something in maybe Cottrell's reputation. I think there's definitely something in him wanting to bring in the right players, which makes sense. But when you've got so many few players, um, I think that you have to, you know, maybe be a little bit more, a little bit short term, if that's if that's if that's the word, or mm. try and be a little bit more flexible, um, because also we talked at great length and we didn't sign enough players in the summer. If we continue with the squad that we've got at the moment, we're going to struggle. So, yeah, question to you, Glenn. Why do you think we haven't signed um, uh, any players? Um, and also, you know, we haven't signed a permanent signing. Yes, loan players cost money. Yeah. Um, but the manager keeps talking about, you know, he's building. been very clear. He doesn't really like loan players. And, yeah, also we're supposed to be building something. And, and you want to sign permanent players. So we haven't signed a permanent player since July. Mad. 
It's mad, isn't it? It's a ridiculous thing. I suppose last season, you know, we were signing. He was signing whoever he wanted. He was signing Charlie Daniels and Matt Miller on on deals, wasn't he? Per short term deals and stuff. So you can obviously do it. And you know, he pulled a few irons out of the fire there. I I think everything you've just said is totally true. It's we're not signing them. The reason we're not signing players isn't is just not one reason, is it, Ollie? Let's be brutally honest about it. It's a combination of all those factors you've just discussed. Plus Shrewsbury being in the middle of nowhere. Plus where we are in the league this season. Plus you know other options you've got to go to financial. You know, we still aren't going to pay top whack for players. Uh, on, on permanent deals, if we're looking at those, plus you know, there's there's the it's January window as well. Yeah, and and the other one to add into it is that let's be honest about it. You know, if you were a loan player and you were looking at coming to Shrewsbury, you're taking a risk. Let's be brutally honest about it because you look at what's happened to San Cosgrove this year and you look at what's happened to Lesh Bello and you think. Well, I don't want to spend six months sitting on the bench getting minor amounts of football. I might even take the chance of going to a slightly lower ranked team and actually playing. And and, and Steve Cottrell's reputation for how he treats lone players, or, or particularly young players, um, probably follows him around as well. So there's a combination of so many factors as to why we've got a problem. But it's clear that Steve Cottrell is having a harder time recruiting players because of all those combination of factors than even Sam Ricketts had, which baffles me. And you've got to remember, the lone players we've had, Ollie, are from Birmingham City, one of his old clubs, Bristol City, one of his old clubs. Nottingham Forest, one of his old clubs. And Leicester, who he obviously wasn't at, but you know maybe had a contact there. So even the loan players we brought in, he hasn't cast his net much further than maybe some old contacts he had in the game. So be fascinating to see what we do or where they come from in the next couple of days. Yeah, agree with all those points, Glenn. It's, um, we, we're desperate. If we don't sign someone, it's going to make survival a lot more tricky, especially if we get a couple of injuries to key positions. Um, particularly midfield, we're really going to struggle. So, mm. fingers crossed, we can sign a few players. And um, you were talking about rumours, Glenn. There's a few going around. I don't. Know, I don't think either are going to happen. To be honest, um, no. I just I don't know. Just can't see it happening. Well, Especially yeah. Nolan. Um, so yeah. So Nolan was was a rumour that was flying around. Um, his, his contract's been terminated by Ipswich. Yeah. Obviously, you know, everyone's got great memories of Nolan. That was three years ago now. Um, he hasn't played first team football. Um, and uh, I think like a lot of players in that season maybe overperformed. You know, no one really from that season apart from the young kids have kind of pushed on. The young kids have all done really well. Obviously, Carl Morris and Godfrey have pushed on, but the older players, Agogo, Rodman, and people like that, haven't have they? Uh, not so much. I mean, Toto Nasala's coming back with uh, Fleetwood next Saturday, isn't he? Which will be <laughs> which will be interesting. So yeah, if we sign Nolan this week, they can have a reunion. That'd be nice. Um, I, d- I don't know. I-, I could also make a really strong argument why John Nolan fits the bill for exactly what we need at this moment in time, Ollie. We need an attacking central midfielder who's got some experience, knows where the back of the net is. He gets Cottrell out of jail a bit because it's a bit of a good news story in terms of bringing back a, a kind of well-respected hero-type player at the club. Um, you know, it's a good move for him because we could rehabilitate him and maybe get him back to playing football every week at a club that's maybe not got so much pressure where he clearly didn't didn't do too well at Ipswich. So there's a lot of reasons why that would be a fantastic move. I'll tell you the number one reason why it won't be is that Wrexham could offer him twice the money we could Fleetwood could offer him twice the money we could you know even even any of the big any any team with any amount of money would just blow us out of the water with it so clearly clearly it would never happen unless he had such fond memories or has some kind of idea that Cottrell could do something good for his career um so I, I you know it, it'd be a sort of Dave Davis deal for me you know he he looked like he was out on his last legs at the end of the season before last and suddenly we've kind of got more out of him than we might have expected so there's reasons why I'd like it to happen but I totally agree with you for maybe different reasons I can't see it happening it's just it doesn't feel like a very Shrewsbury Town transfer for us to be able to pull off unfortunately can't see it happening I, I just wouldn't uh, surprise sign anyone to be honest I just yeah, yeah I don't know I'm, I'll be, I'll be happy, obviously very happy if we do sign you know a number of players but yeah and if we don't sign if we don't sign a permanent player in this window I think um, I think the, the fans 
have um, the right to ask some serious questions about our recruitment. It takes a massive safety net away for Cottrell if things go tits up in the next few weeks, doesn't it, as well? Because, you know, saying, saying he's got a few players, three or four of them to bed in, it gives him a bit more breathing space. If we just keep going on now without another signing and, and we well, can't pick up Well, it gives you a bit of hope, results, doesn't it? It yeah. gives the fans, yeah, it gives exactly. fans to be a little bit more patient. They'll go, well, he's signed some players now. That's a, a big bugbear that the fans have with him. Um, I think, you know, messing up the kits and the transfers and his, his kind of salty attitude, I think... I don't know. I just even though obviously we've been lamenting Steve Cottrell was doing a great job in in December. I still think um, you know I still think he's playing on a on a on a dodgy wicket at the moment. Yeah, he's definitely not got out. Of, he's not well. We never said at any point he had completely got out of, out of no. trouble. You know, we were expecting us to be cut adrift at one point, were we? So we did really well to come out of that. But deep down, you know, the failing to recruit well in this January window could be equally as destructive to the first part of this next block of games as the failure to recruit during the January window. You look at Bolton, for example, who've recruited really well in January. They've gone on a mad tear up in the last few weeks, haven't they? There's teams down the bottom who are making good moves. The guy that scored, maybe maybe it wasn't the guy who scored for Wimbledon, but they had a player who was on loan. I thought it was it sort of played his first game against us was good there's definitely players out there there's definitely deals that can be done if we can just maybe find an extra 10k to kind of cover us for a wage for the rest of the season or, or something like that but if we if we don't go into this period without a backup right back or another central midfielder we're one injury away from being massively screwed and the negligence of it's negligence of that would not sit well with me ollie and um i think it would cost us I don't well if really we have if we lost if we lose a fellow and bennett we're in serious serious trouble if we lose those yeah. two players Definitely. And then if you had, you know, lose one a nurse, if you lose one of the back three as well, I think you're in serious trouble as well um, because you yeah, just haven't we got cover. We've got Pierre and we, but yeah, that's yeah, but it's 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 it's, it's you're, you've got no one on the bench. No, nope. you're just like literally. Well, as we said to start, you know, we've got 14 players that we can ideally start a game with. That number definitely needs to needs to increase. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest about it. At the start of this window, every time I would have said we need a lot in January, and frankly, we only have one additional player than what we had previously. We've let one go, brought one and in. And if Cosgrove goes, it's, it's evens. And if Cosgrove goes, it's evens. But if he stays, it's not any better, in my view. So, um, yeah, we, we play. do. He hasn't played since October. No. He's played 46 minutes since the 1st of December. Exactly. He hasn't started again since October. Exactly. So, I don't, you know, as it stands now, this window's been disastrous, as far as I'm concerned. And um, we're only so... four points ahead of the relegation zone. Yep. And there's all the teams, most of the teams below us have got a, a game. Actually, every team below us has got at least one game in hand on us. Yep. And at one point on Saturday, we were only one point ahead of the relegation zone. So it shows you how marginal it is. Um, it, it, you know, when I think Morecambe were winning, weren't we, when we were losing? So you can easily go to one point and then you're right in the shit again. So, I, you know, it's a massive couple of days for the club. Um, they have got to pull a couple of Chapman-esque signings out of the bag in terms of something that can kind of when get us on a club, good run. When you say well, club... Well, everybody um, at the club is involved in it. Brian, yeah, you know... Yeah, but it, yeah, but they're not the one, though, because it's just, we, we know that the recruitment is down to the manager. They give full responsibility to the manager to make signings. So it's down on Cottrell. And the fact that we know that Cottrell is, you know, a bit of a control freak, gets involved even in things like he shouldn't get involved in, like kits. Mm. Um, it's, it's, for me, it's squarely on Cottrell. Yeah, and, and Keith Burt, maybe. <laughs> we'll yeah, see. Keith Burt, but, but Keith Burt works for Steve, and what's the point of having heavy mm. recruitment if you don't sign anyone? <laughs> Keith, a lot of people think Keith Burt doesn't exist, Ollie. <laughs> you think they it's do like think a, he's a, he's, a pseudonym. He's, he's, he's a myth. Yeah, it's a pseudonym. That's it. I don't think he's. No one's. No one's ever seen him and Steve Cotter in the same place, Ollie. So, um, yeah, who knows what's going to happen, mate? But it's going to be. I don't know. 
it's something's got to happen for just just to give us a little bit of a bulk in that squad because it, we've been running empty for the last couple of weeks, haven't we? After that kind of big breath to get us out of the trouble, we've kind of stepped back post Liverpool. We've looked leggy, tired, and a bit of a fatigued outfit at times, and and that's where we need it now. We need they these lads that have worked goddamn hard to keep us out of trouble need some support, and and you can't keep running them to the bone every week because it is going to cost us in the end. And it is you know it's cost us this week, Ollie. To be honest with you, we haven't quite had the stamina to get the job done against two poor teams. So um, to me, you know, we've we probably lost points this week because of it and we'll definitely lose points against better teams so definitely we definitely need to get someone in and um, yeah two days to go isn't it that's it yeah two days to go unfortunately for the legs it is a one game week so that's at least a positive Um, and yeah uh, we've obviously got a game at home to Fleetwood on Saturday uh, which Mm -hmm. will be an interesting one just going around the league one we don't normally do that anymore very very rarely we also have two crazy results over the weekend one Bolton beat Sunderland 6-0 and Johnson's nah. just lost his job as we were recording this. So Does he's he? third in the league and he's been sacked, but they've had some terrible results. That's still and then, um And then, yeah, Oxford, as we've already mentioned, beat Gillingham 7-2, which just puts... It's so funny that we can score against Gills, but um, Oxford could score seven. Yeah, it's, it's funny. We were talking at the weekend, me and the lads, about you know what the league looks like, and it, it seems like Town are in a battle for relegation, but it's maybe just for that last relegation place, isn't it? You know, the, the bottom three look pretty abject, but they look like they're probably kind of the three that might go down, and then there's that last place, isn't there? And it's just about keeping our head above the water with that one, I suppose. So I can't, I can't see us getting dragged in, you know, down to finishing bottom now. But um, yeah, there's definitely, definitely some trouble for the for the bottom three at the moment. I think. Yeah, we, we were hoping that we were going to get out, weren't we? But we've been dragged yes. back into it over yeah. the poor January. So yeah, fingers crossed, we can get something, and hopefully we can have an enjoyable transfer day, transfer window day. As a Shrewsbury Town fan. Let's be honest, it's pretty dull. Like I'd like you to. This is probably more in your remit, Glenn. But haven't we not like not signed anyone? Because we didn't sign anyone transfer transfer window um, under Cotter. Remember us? Um, obviously, under summer we didn't sign anyone under Sam Ricketts. I'm sure we didn't as well. So mm. haven't we got a bit of a record of not signing anyone as well on transfer window day? So wouldn't be surprised if nothing happens. I, I remember it being quite exciting when we signed, signed Therese Campbell on the last day of the window. Yeah, that was a good But that was years ago, <laughs> so God knows, I, I yeah. can't even remember. We'll have to, I, I might look up next week, Ollie, before the next podcast, how many deadline day signings we made over the last sort of five years, and we'll, we'll give, give, a, give a review of whether it's actually been worth it while us making deadline day signings, whether they were good or bad. We'll have to figure I, that I out. I can imagine, I can see you doing that tomorrow, not, not <laughs> imagine you look at that tomorrow to see if the, what's the probability, but yeah. Don't I mean, tell me, boss. I, I'm, I'm not overly hopeful. Um, no. I, yeah, don't, don't even bother um, having the, the club tweets on them. Um, on announcements now because it's normally just an advert for some kind of energy drink. Kazoo. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Oh, well, that's all good. All right, Tio. Well, we'll be back next week. We'll have a game and six new players to talk about, Ollie. It's going to be fantastic. And um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back next Sunday. I hope everyone enjoyed their trip down to Wimbledon if they went. And uh, yeah, hopefully back to winning ways against Fleetwood. And we'll catch you next Sunday. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening.